Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Jane Villager, also known as Kalyani. She is a spiritual-inspired visionary, producer, artist, and founder of Stargate Alliance Film and Media, whose mission is to inspire humanity through offering alternative vision information, and empowering tools for self as well as for global soul transformation. A remarkable distinction of Kalyani's music career is that she is more connected to the content and soul of what is being expressed rather than taking pleasure from the act of singing alone. Her musical style elegantly blends exotic world music with complex transcendental qualities Emotive and alluring, her vocal summons operatic and Gregorian style, while her music uniquely delves into dramatic contemporary orchestration, proudly rich in structure. Kalyani and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey, love, and passion to enrich humanity by uplifting consciousness on the planet with her angelic voice and music. Good morning, Kalyani. Happy Tuesday to you, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Johnny. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited uh, to share some good time with you here. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. I'm excited to learn more about you and your passion to enrich the world with one music at a time. So congratulations on your success thus far. Thank you. Thank you. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Wow, this is going to be um, quite a task. <laughs> <laughs> we have an hour-long show, so you've got plenty of time. <laughs> I'll give it my best shot. <laughs> well, I think it's a fantastic question because I do think that I've had a very unique life um, as a child growing up in Brazil. I was very deeply inquisitive about the nature of our spiritual reality. and Growing up in such a mystical country, in Brazil, it exposed me to like infinite opportunities to mm-hmm. experience the awareness of the soul's existence, for example. And um, through my community and my family, the place where I lived, I was able to witness trans channeling. I attended Cardassus prayer circles, where at times there were present clairvoyants and clairaudient mediums. And they would share their visions, and sometimes they would um, share predictions of the future or uh, even tell me about some ancient past life lineages my soul had journeyed through that come from. So I enjoyed and, and, and felt a sense of familiarity to many of these occult sciences and arts, such as Kabbalistic numerology and the archetypal landscape of the mythic tarot and the hero's journey and how it served as a mirror for our evolutionary gateways and initiations through life, you know? So yes, between yes. the age of, like, 14 and 16, I I was also introduced to Hatha Yoga and became a practitioner. My yoga teacher 
happened to be you no know, other than a high initiate master of the Rosicrucian Society, a Mork in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved going into his small library of uh, secret initiate knowledge, where he organized these books by degrees of initiation per shelf. And he started me on the first degree, of course, right? And and I was happy and I was grateful for the experience, but my infinitely curious spirit spirit was also like um, uh, happy to sneak out books from the third degree, you know, where I wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be reading whenever he wasn't looking my direction. <laughs> <laughs> so I, around that that time, you know, I just um, I also became very interested in and studying the auric field of energy. And I was particularly fond of the work of Barbara and Brennan. And Mm -hmm. she has a a famous book called Hands of Light. And uh, it it had been already published in Portuguese. You remember at that time, I was still living in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I became fascinated with that. And in some level, I, I was more in a process of remembering because... I was eating up all of it without really understanding why I was so fascinated, but it was more like everything felt so familiar to me. I intuitively knew that in spite of our physical bodies, we were inherently and fundamentally crafted in light, and that all stemmed and sourced from that foundational state of being. And then I... I, I began to casually practice hands-on healing, and I was able mm-hmm. in just a few minutes of his mesmeric passes to take away people's pains. And I was especially good at removing headaches. <laughs> and it was it was very spontaneous. Um, and, 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 and the list goes on and on. I, my, one other of my fascinations was the study of UFO phenomena and mm-hmm. cosmogenesis. Some of the authors I explored at the time were Eric von Daniken and Isaac Asimov and you know and things like that. I, I I could go on and on and the experiences were so many and what I feel is really important to know from from my growing up in Brazil mm-hmm. is that somehow I felt these different philosophies to be uh, or occult sciences, they're part of one single truth. And from early on, I was deeply inspired to discover an underlying or missing link, if if I could say, you know, like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. something was not quite right. There was something that could bring it all together, you know, and 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 connect all these um, truths into one seamless. Uh, flow, um, and then from then on, you know, I, um, I guess, life took me into a path of marriage. Uh, I was married for a few years and then got divorced. On my divorce, I had more epiphanies around that time. With, you know, I went into a process of prayer after feeling mm-hmm. I had disconnected from myself, from my higher self. I I one day started doing a, a a prayer every morning and night. It was called prayer of Caritas, um, and it be, I, I I believe it was part of the Cardicist sect of Spiritism in Brazil. 
It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful prayer. And um, I, it was like a three-page paper, you know, long. I, I had to write it down by hand because I didn't really, um, I had not memorized it, and I remembered it from my childhood. I had to call back home and actually ask for it. But I was feeling compelled to to pray again because I had prayed all my life. And somehow in the last few years, before my uh, my marriage collapsed, I felt a sense of disconnect, and um, I think I intuitively, one day just woke up and said, um, "I want that again, that sense of connection," and it was the prayer, and I prayed for you know um, a few weeks, I would say, um, and my life was completely reassembled, and that at that time, I. I had uh, several epiphanies, and um, um, a, a presence started to fill my days in, and um, visions and dreams that later on I realized it took me a while to put it all together because I had no knowledge of this entity, but what appeared to me was an aspect of Divine Mother that we call Kuan Yin, and mm-hmm. I... I would imagine you're familiar with uh, Kuan Yin because you're Malaysian, but I won't make the assumption. She's very big in China and Asia um, as a, um, a deity, um, and the, as she's known as the goddess of compassion in Buddhism. Um, but this beautiful presence um, appeared to me and would show up in dreams and visions and I felt like she was guiding each step uh, of my evolution from there on, and she brought me into a path of um, awakening the divine feminine, um, an awareness around the need for the rebirthing of the sacred feminine in human consciousness. And from that moment on, I feel slowly she carved a path for me and designed um, a path of, of work and delivery that was um, multifaceted. I went into production and um, music and um, documentary making, and it was when I was guided to create a documentary on the Divine Feminine uh, that um, that the music came through. It was uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lots of little pieces to this puzzle. I can't tell it on a linear form, but I think you you get the gist of it, I hope. Yes, certainly. One of the questions I have is that the fact, obviously, as a child, you were fairly spiritual and curiosity led you to the experiences you have had. Were there members of your family that were sort of spiritually inclined as well? Yes, there was. Uh, there was um, my mother, for example. She was um, very es- esoterically interested, even though she was raised in a very traditional, dogmatic, Catholic mm-hmm. environment as a young child. Um, when she was in her twenties, she uh, read a book uh, about the Holy Inquisition, and she decided. She never wanted to be part of the Catholic Church again. She had uh, respect, and she still taught us to pray because she believed in the power of prayer. 
Right. She didn't quite believe in the church as an institution. She was horrified by what she read um, mm-hmm. with the persecution of people being forced to, you know, become Catholics um, and tortured in whatever way. And so um, she was um, similarly interested in, in unique topics. I remember when I was 13, 14, between 13 and 14 or 13 and 15, I bumped into her library and I found uh, her, a collection of books by Khalil Gibran that she was very much in love with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became a big... Um, um, I started reading The Prophet, and I became completely in love. Um, I fell in love with his writing, and I read Ascend and Foam and Broken Wings, and I went on and on reading every book she had on him. And I was I started writing my own mystic writings and thoughts and mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, to this day, I am very, very fond of the writing of Khalil Gibran, especially the book The Prophet. And um my mother had an esoteric vein, but I don't I think she was caught up in life and raising us and all of that and as a child and a teenager I had more opportunity to explore and I went um further and further into it than um than she had the opportunity perhaps. I had a medium in the family as well. Mm-hmm. who did trans-channeling. Um, uh, she wasn't really happy <laughs> with that uh, <laughs> gift. It actually mm-hmm. did not want to be in that situation. It was a very karmic thing, and unfortunately, um, she was, uh, unfortunately, she was extremely gifted and capable of uh, channeling um, powerful entities and speaking in tongues and helping people through their problems, through that process. And um, I got to witness that happening a few times as well. So I had a smokish board of um, situations. But my sister also grew up in the middle of it, and she wasn't as curious as I was. So I have an understanding that there was something unique to me that made me continue to dive deeper and question and research and wanting to feel more into what the essence and the architecture of spirit was. Um, and and that's why I became an explorer. <laughs> Fascinating know. story. Why did you choose the name Kaliani, and how does it represent the spiritual you? You know, that's a great question. And um, not that I chose the name, the, the name first of all chose me, because mm-hmm. I I heard this name during a meditation in my garden. I was uh, sitting out in meditation in, in the sacred garden, which is how uh, I call my own my own little garden here in in Los Angeles. And um, I just heard the name from inside of my head out. It wasn't like I heard from the outside in. The name was spoken inside my head very interestingly, and um, I just ran, actually. I became. I felt a sense of ecstasy and excitement when I heard the name, and I came out of meditation and ran into the house and went to my computer 
and types it. I imagine how it was written. I had never heard or seen it. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a search, and I remember the first thing I found was that it was... Um, it, it meant it was an Indian name, and it meant the auspicious one. That was particular meaning to the Indian name, the auspicious one. Um, and then later on, I felt that this was a name associated with Sri Vidya Tantra, the Left Hand Path, and Tripura Sundari, because the name that came through was Kalyani Sundari. Um, and there is something related to um, the name Sundari that's also deeply connected to this ancient path of which is the sacred feminine path. So I, I felt everything somehow was miraculously being delivered as my path towards this work was developing slowly. This was back in 2011, not too far ago. But um, um, yeah, Lalita Tripura Sundari is the main. It's like Divine Mother. She is the embodiment of Shakti. Um, yeah, uh, of the threefold goddess um, of the left hand path um, of, of Sri Vidya Tantra, and uh, Kalyani seems to uh, be also related to. Um, it's complicated. I, I'm not really sure how to explain to you, but um, they're all connected. Kalyani and Sundari to this to this beautiful, um, unique um, tantric path in India. It's fascinating, and the reason for it is because you have a sort of a spiritual awakening that connects you with the name Kalyani. And now you had formed a new, for lack of a better term, path in life. And that leads me to the next question in the sense that you never did really start out to be a singer. Somehow you discovered the musical talent as you delved deeply into the spirituality equation when you found Kalyani or Kalyani found you from that perspective. So how does Kalyani as an artist is unique from others? Well, first of all, um, I didn't discover my music gift until about 2011 when the first signs of it came forth in in a vein of inspiration that led me to record Namu's Invocation. Mm -hmm. And and I I launched it. um, uh, I did a soft launch on 11, 12, 13 and a hard launch with a music video in May of 2014, and that came as a complete surprise, and the best way I can describe it is uh, is that I felt touched by grace, and I felt that spirit was trusting me to be the decoder or transmitter of this special gift that was Namu's invocation itself, and regardless of how people wanted to praise me about it being my gift, I felt I was the one being gifted by it, and I felt mm-hmm. deeply humbled and honored to be given that opportunity because I felt it had a life of its own in a way, and mm-hmm. um, and I wanted I wanted to say that as far as being unique, I don't think I I don't feel like I am the appropriate one to 
say that, oh, what I create is unique because I always feel as any authentic artist uh, that I am just responding to a natural creative flow that is present in my innate joy. And mm -hmm. it is, if it is unique or not, it's something that the listener is better able to give feedback about it. And it is ultimately not as relevant as long as it is in the artist's greatest joy to create. And it is a calling that moves me to continue to do so. And um, However, though, I have to say that I'd be concealing a very interesting piece of information in this respect if I were to not share with you one story in regards to this. And um, I have a lot of uh, respect, a humble level of respect for for that because um, last summer I was asked by a friend if I would uh, um, like if I would officiate his wedding. He was getting married mm -hmm. in Italy, and I said, of course. So I, as I was scheduling my trip to Europe, um, my friend who stands unofficially as also my musical agent said that he would love to meet me there because he was actually going to be in Germany at the time. His name is Wolfgang Eichholz. And he was in in, in Germany visiting his family. He said, I'd love to meet you there and set up a visit to Real World Studios, um, uh, the home of you know the studio of, the, of Peter Gabriel, mm -hmm. and one of the most famous studios in the world. And Peter Gabriel is traveling, but... Um, his library manager, Rob Bozaz, is there, and and maybe you can get to meet him. And I said, oh, that would be fantastic. So prior to our trip, um, he sent a presentation to him of my music, and upon listening to it, he felt that he was listening to something new and that it seemed to him, with all the years of experience, that he had, that I had created a new genre. So um, he's now actually mentoring me as I decide to move along mm -hmm. with more music to come. So I feel I could not have gotten more trustworthy feedback on that idea that Rob Bozaz, the library manager to Peter Gabriel, thinks that I created a new genre is quite extraordinary. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's something that, you know, I just... Um, I just... Um, yeah, I just play around the idea, but allow it to be what it is, and not feel a sense of responsibility. <laughs> I just, I just, I just continue to allow the flow to be what it is, <laughs> and Fantastic. who knows what's gonna come tomorrow? You know. That's true. That's true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest is Kaliani. She is a spiritually inspired visionary, producer, artist, and founder of Stargate Alliance Films and Media, whose mission is to inspire humanity through offering alternative vision, information, and empowering tools for self as well as global social transformation. Kaliani's musical style elegantly blends exotic world music with complex transcendent quality. Emotive and alluring, her vocals summons operatic and Gregorian style, while her music uniquely delves 
into dramatic contemporary orchestration profoundly rich in structure. Connie Annie and I are having a conversation about her life's journey, love, and passion to enrich humanity by uplifting consciousness on the planet with her angelic voice and music. Kalyani, I would like to play Namu's Invocation. This is a beautiful, beautiful introduction to who you are. And also, it really speaks volumes about your ability to sing in the sense that it combines the essence of who you are as a human and a spiritual entity. As a matter of fact, your video had been seen over two million times when it first came out. So it's fantastic. Let me play the song and we'll come back and talk about Namu's Invocation.
wow, it's such a powerful, powerful song. And I have to tell you, there's so much peace in it as well. So tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to create Namu Invocation. Okay, the inspiration for Namu Invocation, it's um, at the fundamental core, it's sourced from what I humbly attempt to express as uh, Prajna Paramita, you know, uh, Divine Mother or Sacred Feminine coming into my field reality and awareness um, stronger and stronger. Uh, it's really um, inspired by the essence of, of that. And that at that time, it was pulsing to so strong in me, and it burned deep in my heart in ways that I could not help but give it a voice. And um, it, it happened that that voice came out in music form, it was more like it couldn't be held back. There was a, a moving, a fire, um, a passion um, to express um, this presence that was so profoundly transforming in my life and so beautiful and so tangible to me that um, I felt initially inspired as I was already doing conscious media through, through Stargate Alliance mm-hmm. um, which is another parallel story I could tell, uh, parallel to the music. But um, I felt moved to create a documentary um, that would portray, um, you know, the uh, the saga or the story of um, the divine feminine and and many of its myths and in a very artistic but also in almost also a historical sense and understand um, what it all encompasses, if there was any way of expressing what's not expressible. And that's how the music came through because um, certain um, feelings and experiences cannot be mentally dissected. It cannot be explained in words and that's how how I felt maybe spirit the best way to come and you know uh, realize what was wanting to be created was through the music um you know and that's where I feel there is um a real authentic touch of spirit there because what a perfect way to express this you know, ineffable presence, uh, beauty of the God essence as the sacred feminine, as the other half of the Godhead. That's how I experienced it, is a powerful force that was um, the feminine aspect of God. And um, how could I want it? How could I possibly express it? But a part of me wanted to make its voice heard in story or in any way, you know, it was something that was just bubbling inside of me, and that's when the music came forth, and it came forth um, particularly ignited in the linear terms by me uh, coming across the creationary myth 
of Sumeria, which fascinated me and pushed me even more into that direction. Um, so in Sumeria, uh, the oldest known version of the um, Enuma Elis tablet depicts um, uh, Namu as an original goddess who created heaven and earth and all beings under it. So it's a feminine archetype mm-hmm. as opposed to what we're used to uh, deal with the, the divine masculine aspect of creation that most of our known religions and are have been, especially the institutionalized religions in the last 6,000 years, have been exploring more. You were talking about how you move from a spiritual standpoint of view to create Namu's invocation. One of the things that I read about you is that you have a fascinating concept about silence and music. Please share that thought with us. Sure. Yeah, I feel that the paradox that exists between silence and music is not anything new. It is an experience that has been shared by many poets and philosophers, mystics throughout history. And my journey with this particular wave frequency of musical expression has much in it of what can be explained by uh, many poets. And one of my favorite, favorite writings um, that expresses that idea, one of my favorite ones, and I have mentioned this before on my website, Aldous Huxley's, when he says, um, from pure sensation to the mm-hmm. intuition of beauty, from pleasure and pain to love and the my- mixed mystical ecstasy and death. All things that are fundamental, all the things that to the human spirit are most profoundly significant um, to, uh, can only be experienced and not expressed. He says, the rest is always and everywhere silence. After silence, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music. So I actually wrote this one down for you because I usually just say, after silence, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music. And that's by Aldous Huxley. But it's actually part of a beautiful dissertation and a book that he wrote um, and um, this is more of the longer version of it. But there's many other um, poets, like Edgar Allan Poe um, also mm-hmm. has beautiful quotes. on Khalil Gibran, who I love, um, he says, only when you drink from the river of silence shall you indeed sing. So there is something that sometimes uh, experiences we have Feelings, deep feelings, um, uh, you know, ecstatic states of awareness and consciousness cannot be expressed in words. And uh, I believe very strongly in this. And silence is the only way we can fully express that feeling and bask in the experience of it. And the next best thing would be wordless music. Um, and even if I try to put words, words are an expression of the mind. It's a, it's a 
decantation uh, and when you when you put something through a process of language you put a, it through a, a linear process of logic you lose parts of it because language unfortunately our language the way we communicate is still rudimentary in comparison to our true capacity to feel and experience things with all of our being, all of who we are, not just with the mental part. So I, I don't know if I am making sense to you. but um, Yes, you do. It's amazing because there's so much depth to it. Only in silence can you appreciate sound. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all heard this cliché. It's just too noisy, and noisy doesn't necessarily mean music. It can be any distractions. The mind is wandering away. So only in silence can you appreciate sound, noise, whatever that's around you. Yes, absolutely, the contrast. And silence sometimes can speak so much more. Uh, Like Thomas Carly said, silence is more eloquent than words. Sometimes in the break of silence, so much can be understood and felt if we just have uh, the opportunity to really listen to that silence in that moment whenever it happens and allow it to speak to us. It could be in the middle of a conversation. It could be in a goodbye moment to someone. And sometimes we are afraid of what the silence has to say. It's too deep. It's too real. It's mm-hmm. too true. And sometimes we have too many uh, parameters, uh, mental parameters and concepts of what is we're able to handle or not uh, around uh, what real emotional intimacy is or our capacity to be present to the truth of what we're feeling and things like that. Silence, if used correctly, is when you actually listening to someone or something that educates you. Let curiosity drive your silence. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. What does eminence mean to you? Eminence. Oh, I mm-hmm. see. Um, how can I explain? Eminence to me is, um, you know, we're we're very um, uh, very versed in exploring the world of spirituality through uh, a term used uh, as transcendence, right? Mm-hmm. We are accustomed to exploring it, imagining or feeling that a spirit transcends uh, the personal, it transcends the earth and um, and everything that spiritual is transcendent. And I feel that... Um, Imminence is the descent of the divine essence into creation. It is the embodiment of divinity into its own creation, as opposed to this older, more explored view that negates creation and created in a sense, actually, um, a misinterpretation uh, that um, we had to deny our body or deny the earth or not, you know, care so much. Now we're here standing in a state of semi-destruction of the earth. Uh, some of our scientists 
don't believe that there is a potential for recovery, no matter how fast we act. They say the earth is doomed unless something we wake up tomorrow morning to a brand new uh, idea or invention that will save us. But the the level of of cataclysm that is already mm-hmm. unfolding in terms of global warming, pollution, and um, many other things that we've done to the earth to abu- that abused it, we have with a concept of transcendence, which is valid, we have created a separation as if the planet we live in, our bodies, uh, who we are, are not divine. We are just, if you take um, a step back into the cosmos and look into our uh, constellation, you'll see the Earth in, in smack in the middle of the universe. There is no out there. We are it. We are mm-hmm. part of the divine, of the cosmos, of creation. Creation and divinity are inherently connected. Nature, human beings, we are all, you know, just part of this beautiful... There is no there and here. And I think when we think of imminence, we allow a new perception of what is divine to actually infuse back into our consciousness instead of being out there and having to leave something behind like to be able to experience uh, God or the divine we can become vehicles and open ourselves to receive the divine into our hearts into our minds into our bodies and allow ourselves to become the expression of this beauty and divinity and realize that ultimately there's no there and here. We're smack in the middle of creation. We are part of the cosmos and the separation has existed only from within us and from this we create you know, we are creators. We create the image of God and capacity and by believing that we're separate we create the separation. Now imminence brings a concept um which has been around forever as well. It's just not been as explored. I didn't create that. I hope you understand. Imminence is is a concept that's been there. And um, I actually uh, believe Aurobindo, um, who was a yogi master from India as well, he explores this concept beautifully as well through the Divine Mother to a beautiful connection. It's more of a an incarnating of the divine into creation and instead of a transcending of creation towards divinity i i, I think i um i think um i hope i hope you're following me I, yes certainly it's beautiful i'm glad you explained it in depth the way you did you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Kalyani. She is a spiritual inspired visionary, producer, artist, and founder of Stargate Alliance Films and Media, whose mission is to inspire humanity through offering alternative vision, information, and empowering tools for self as well as for global soul transformation. Kalyani musical styles elegantly blends exotic world music with complex transcendent qualities. Emotive and alluring, 
Her vocal summons operatic and Gregorian styles, while her music uniquely delved into dramatic contemporary orchestration profoundly rich in structure. Kalini and I are having a conversation about her life's journey, love and passion to enrich humanity by uplifting consciousness with her angelic voice in music. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Kalyani, there was a big break between, I guess in a way when I say a big break, there was just about three years or so from Namu's invocation to your latest inspiration, Tears for Inanna. What I'd like to do is to play Tears of Inanna. I thought it was a beautiful follow-up from Namu's invocation, and then we can talk about this beautiful song that you're introducing to all of us. Okay, thank you.
it is so, so beautiful. There's so much passion in that song. It's amazing. Is there a correlation between musical vibration and our personal well-being? <laughs> wow, I definitely, I definitely feel that's uh, that's uh, truth for me. Um, what what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, when I first listened to Namu's Invocation a few years back, and then when I had the opportunity to listen to Tears for Inanna, you were very intimate with your songs. When I say intimate, you're like you're really engrossed into it. So it's almost like as one. Mm-hmm. Yes. In listening to the music and listening to the voice, there's a sense of peace, sense of truly an inward movement versus an outward movement, if that makes sense. And yet it's still outward, don't get me wrong, because it is a presentation to everyone else. But yet there's so much move of the inwardness. In other words, it's like the heart and the soul are touching and dancing together. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. Yes. I feel that too. And it's beautiful when I I feel that it's being received in that way. As far as um, music vibration mm-hmm. and, and and how it correlates to our well being, I believe that in a fundamental level we are all um that sound frequency vibration is the primordial language of God. And even, you know, I, I'm not so fond of relying on sacred texts because a lot of sacred texts to me are very, you know, partial truths and uh, sometimes have been tainted and manipulated. But there's one thing in our... Uh, Old Testament that says first there was the word and I, what I think the meaning of that means the word not in the word as we understand but I believe first there was the sound before anything else was created sound was the carrier because as I, as I, as I see it and feel it sound doesn't lie words can can manipulate thoughts and ideas and can conceal things or, you know, distort ideas or mm-hmm. the words can manipulate. When you're talking about sound and pure frequency, when you're emoting a sound that is carrying a certain frequency vibration of true feeling emotion, it, it is pure. It, it cannot be corrupted or you wouldn't sound like that. Basically, mm-hmm. it's like you can't change that word frequency because it exists in itself as a manifestation of the purity of the transmission. I don't know if it makes sense, but you see, I couldn't, a singer cannot emit a certain sound that touches somebody in their heart if they don't really mean it or if they are not in it. It's almost like. Mm-hmm. You have to become that frequency to be able to speak it. So right. it's in a mental language, you can just speak it because it's devoid of life uh, in itself. Right. What would you like for the listeners to gain from listening 
to your music? Oh, wow. I I would hope that, first, I feel that the music will meet the person wherever they're at, just opening their hearts to experience beautiful aspects of themselves or or whatever they consider to be sacred in life or or as God or mm-hmm. something that just maybe uh, will allow them to to feel more more deeply a connection to something sacred. Fantastic. Where can someone go to get more information about you and keep up with your latest happenings? What is happening next? Um, there's actually um, uh, a new um, beautiful movie that I am, a documentary that I, I was invited to co-produce and um, and also create music for. And it's very exciting. Um it's called Oceana, mm-hmm. and it's about recovering the coral reefs. Uh, I'm sure you've heard how we've had a terrifying loss of our corals in 2016. Yes. They, they were in the largest, one of the largest extinction periods. Um, they call it the sixth largest extinction we've experienced in um in the last few years, and especially 2016, uh, we even the Great Barrier Reef, over two thirds of the corals are completely dead, and this is not something we hear in the news, and um, it is creating a ripple effect eventually that's going to affect us deeply, including the supply of oxygen. Uh, there is a lot of communities in the South Pacific that depended on on these corals to live, and actually um, young men are committing suicide in those communities because their sense of purpose and development depended on on the sources of the life that it provided and fishing mm-hmm. and all of it, but um, it's no longer available. <clears throat> so as a lot of films like Chasing Corals have explored the death of the corals, um, you know, um, this film is going to explore the recovery of the corals and bring hope. And how is that? I think it's we are looking for um, new discoveries. And uh, there's a few scientists who actually have been deeply involved mm-hmm. in a process called coral gardening. So... This movie is going to explore ideas on how we can gain time and bring back this beautiful life uh, that we have lost in the oceans. Through and it's going to have incredible imagery and and music. It's going to be a very artistic, but very authentically expressed film based on on a real experience of the director who happens to be a deep friend of mine and my composer. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Can you share with us your website address? Yeah, my website is kaliani.com, um, uh, so it's very simple. Or you can do kalianimusic.com. It's two domains. But um, 
just make sure um, if you want to visit and, and know more about my music and work that you spell Kaliani correctly. It's K-A-L-I-Y-A-N-I, Kaliani.com, yes. And um, my work as a producer is on StargateAlliance.net, StargateAlliance.net. And, um, yeah, in there you can find different, yeah, projects and beautiful things that I had the honor of being a part of creating and exploring. Fantastic. As we close the show, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Hmm. Well, first, I feel there is no one single formula that would be suitable for everyone, but Speaking from my own perspective for living, and I feel that being ever more attuned to my inner child, to make sure that I give this so that I am ever more opportunity to be in the flow of its own joy, to let go of conditioning, constructs, and limiting things that, you know, um, prevent me from living most fluidly authentically or enthusiastically as possible to not take things personal and give more of what you long to receive um, are basically my philosophies you know Kaliani, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio to all our listeners please join me next Tuesday morning February the 20th my guest will be Dr. Saeda Dasil. She is the founder of Modern Day Movement. Dr. Saeda inspires women to dare into their desires and claim their sexual sovereignty. Dr. Saeda and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and in light of the Me Too movement, her latest global offering, The Daring Project. It is an environment where your voice, your story, and you matter. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed week. Kaliani, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.